So I've been probably investing for around three to four years, and probably each year I've averaged over 20% um, return in my stock portfolio. And this year, probably around 40 to 50%. And the reason I'm saying this is that I want you to know I'm not some like expert stock picker, some financial wizard. I'm not the second coming of Warren Buffett. You know, Warren Buffett's not my daddy. Um, I've been doing nothing complicated. Matter of fact, on this Uneducated Investor podcast, I've probably been doing this podcast for around three years, to be honest, which is funny. Um, And you can hear my videos like there's no super complex plan I've been doing the whole time. Like I really have not. Um, So then you might ask, well, the market returns 8% on average. How are you doing over 20% every year? And to some people that might like start to think about it is like, oh, yeah, the market returns have been good <laughs> every year so far. Right. Uh, that's definitely helped. I've just basically matched what the market's been doing and it's been doing phenomenal. Um, and the second thing is uh, I just did the tr- invested in the things that made the most sense. Now, I know there's a lot of people who are value investors who have been, you know, absolutely dumbfounded by how poorly their portfolio has been returning. I'm talking to you, you dividend investors out there, you uh, Warren Buffett prodigies um, out there. I'll be doing a video or a podcast on this separately, really diving in deep onto, you know, value investing, what's going on there. But for the most part, if you're someone that just believed in tech stocks, I mean, the most obvious companies that already won, I'm talking about Amazon and Facebook, like just those two companies. And now sort of, you know, Netflix, now sort of Apple and Microsoft. If you're just a fang believer, I mean, my goodness, you would be getting 20 plus percent too. So I think one of the main things is I want to go over the ways that I plan on making a 25% return for the foreseeable future. And I'm hoping that by me sharing these with you and the way I'm thinking about the markets and I'm thinking about money, it can help your portfolio as well. Now, in general, it's not anything to copy. It's not anything to, you know, duplicate. However, the point of the Energetic Investor podcast, I'm so hard not trying to get to severely change your investing strategy. I'm just trying to get you to build your mindset. I'm not trying to get you to go buy binary options or do any of these weird things, like get into like the fixed income markets or anything like that. I just want you to think. And I want to let you know that the most obvious investments are always the best ones, typically. Facebook's a foregone conclusion. Netflix, Amazon, foregone conclusion. They're going to be big and big probably till the end of time. However, um, here are three ways that I'm thinking about my portfolio that I think I can literally average a 25% return forever, to be honest. And I'm going to give you the first strategy. So the first strategy is, for me, understanding my cash flows. <coughs> Sorry, God damn, it's like this coronavirus just won't let me go. Jesus. Anyways, number one, understanding my cash flows. So what I mean by this. So... What helps me get 40 plus returns and probably like way higher when I really do the math, but 40% or higher is just me understanding my cash flows, understanding 
how I can take advantage of knowing when my income's coming, how much is coming, and how I can like plan that future income out into different investments. So one of the strategies that I take in is I get a huge bonus in February, right? Um, and I also have, you know, being Canadian, I have all of these different banking incentives to really that I can take advantage of. I also know that the market is at record low interest rates, so borrowing is really cheap. So one of the incentives I take care of or take advantage of is balance transfer promotions. Maybe you've seen them, maybe you haven't. But to fill you in, around 3%, you can borrow up to your credit limit on your credit card and put that money in your debit account. So for me, I know I save around 30 grand every year um, from my paycheck. So I essentially borrow around 30 grand from credit cards every year. I take that money and I'll put some of the stock market, I'll put some in other places. But essentially with that 30 grand money, instead of waiting till the end of the year, I borrow it in around January, February, and March. And I basically borrow my future income and I get to invest it early. Now that our little arbitrage opportunity of me making around like 10% on 30 grand, that's three grand, and paying around 3%, which is 900. I mean, that's an additional $7,000 a year right there just from borrowing money and investing in it in the proper places. Now, as you know, the very strict, stern, understanding, very financial risk adverse investors that you are listening to this, you're like, that's risky. That doesn't make any sense. The way I mitigate the risk of this is that if everything fails and that 30 grand I borrow goes to zero, remember, I'm borrowing my future income so that let's say if I borrow 30 grand in February, by the time next February comes, my credit cards are already paid off. They're already paid off, not with the money I borrowed, but with my income, because every month I'm taking some of my income and putting it into my credit cards. Think about a forced mortgage savings plan where you're, every month you're forced to pay your mortgage. Every month I'm forced to pay my credit cards. And for $900, I get to borrow 30 grand. I think it's a pretty good deal. Now, remember, my strategy is understanding my cash flows. So if I borrow 30 grand in March, by next March, I have to pay it off. Now, a couple cool things can happen here. I know that I get 30 grand and, you know, there's different times in the year where I get other windfalls of cash, one of them being in May. May is a triple pay month for me. You, I get paid three times that month just because the way the days of the week work. In that month also, I get a tax return if you put money into your RSP or your 401k, depending on, you know, how you have it set up, you get that money back on your taxes. To make it super simple, it's about of 30% of what you put in, depending on your tax bracket, but it's about 30% depending on your tax bracket. So that being the case, in October, I also get triple pay. Now I know when I have windfalls of cash. Now, Second thing, understanding my investment options and how I think about cash. 
This is my second strategy. Now, when it comes to investment options, there's a bunch of things that I can invest in, and I think about all these things evenly. There's stocks, NBA cards, Pokemon cards, Forex, betting, and Bitcoin. I know what all you guys are saying. Those aren't really investments. How is betting money an investment? That makes no sense. And I'll say this again. The strategy is about understanding my investment options and how I think about cash. When I had a smaller portfolio, it was very easy to keep a small amount of cash, you know. You know, if your investment portfolio is 30 grand and you're expecting to have 30 grand by the end of the year to invest in, basically you're at 50% cash even if you're in fully invested. That's what it means. I'll say that again. If your whole stock portfolio is 30 grand and you're expecting to get an additional 30 grand the next year, that means if you did nothing and your investment portfolio is still 30 grand and you just got another 30 grand, you're at 50% cash. So understanding how you're going to invest those future portfolios or those future monies um, helps you invest. But at the same time, you don't really need that high of a cash position if your portfolio is going to double in the next year. Now, as I'm getting to a place where, you know, when my portfolio is approaching 100 grand, I'm not going to get another 100 grand next year. The cash position I have in my portfolio is super important to take advantage of good buying opportunities in the market. It's super important for me to have cash. Now, something that I'm thinking about is, hmm, what do I want to do when I have that cash in my portfolio? Now, I could keep it in my portfolio. There's cool stocks that I cannot invest in, like uh, PSA. It's like a savings account type stock, and you'll get like 1% return in the year for just having that cash on the side, which is dope. However, me thinking about it, I'm like, hmm, how fast will I need to get that cash into my stock portfolio? And like, if I see a dip in the market, will I need that money in my portfolio in like one week, in two days, in like three weeks? Like how quickly do I need to get cash from one place and put it in my stock portfolio for me to buy? Now, the ways I think about cash is there's several places that I can put the cash in in temporarily and then within a two to three week time i can take it from that cash space and then put it into my stock portfolio so one of those places where i can store cash temporarily is the forex markets now me i originally was like a you know a hardcore day trader forex person i didn't like the risk percentages but forex when you're not risking that much amount of money is a great store of cash so me thinking about, hmm, if I maintain like a 30% position of cash and I put some in my Forex portfolio where I'm trying to basically, you know, guess will a USD dollar be more valuable than the Canadian dollar this week or this day? In that Forex market area, I could probably make an easy 20, 30, 40% a year in Forex by not risking that much. And then when the stock market goes down, I can easily liquidate that money, put it into stocks, and then get another return on buying cheap stocks. 
another good area, another good store of cash is betting on the NFL games. Now, me as an investor, I don't watch NFL. I'm more of an NBA guy. I love the NBA. I love watching them. NFL, don't really watch it. However, as an investing market, it's the gold mine. Think about it. One game a week, you know what these games are going to be. It's very easy to do the analysis one day and then invest another. It's perfect for investing. Does that mean I'm going to start doing analysis in NFL games? Hell no. There's no way. However, there's a lot of people who already do this. It is going to be an insane moneymaker in the future. And as betting becomes more illegal in the United States, there's going to be more and more money in it. So I'll be able to invest more and more into betting on this. And there's a lot of stock pickers or sorry, NFL game pickers out there that essentially you can see what they record is in the past. Maybe they've done like 30 or 20 percent on average each year when it comes to betting on NFL games. And then you just copy their bets. It's that simple. Now, I did that last year and made like, I think, probably 10 to 12 percent. I didn't do it this year because I don't trust any picker this year because it's a unique season. But next year, when, you know, the NFL starts around August, September time, I'm right back in that baby. And I think that's a great store of cash. I think it's an easy 10 to 20% return. And while my money's in there betting on NFL games, if the stock market goes down, instantly sell some of my portfolio and then put it into stocks. Super simple. This year I was betting on the election. If you know anything about politics, there was a lot of easy bets. You saw Elizabeth Warren go out when she started spiking, looking like the nominee, just said, hey, if any investment person wins, that's not her. Easy money. The easiest investment ever was betting against Michael Bloomberg. Oh, my God. That was free money. Looked like a great candidate, had billions of dollars to spend. But if you know about politics at all, you knew he wasn't winning. I just bet that anyone but him wouldn't win. That was an easy 17% return. Betting, there's a lot of these things. As a day trader, because I've worked on a risk management, betting's a little easier for me to get into. I'm going there for 10 to 20% returns. I'm not trying to double my money. So I'm just trying to find easy bets to win. And I'm following someone else's bets that has a proven track record. Because I'm disciplined in risk management, I can put my money in, in there and make an easy 10 to 20% return, maybe some years 40%. Of course, before I said Bitcoin, Bitcoin, eh, it's gone up. I actually used to have two rand in there. Now I have like $500 because I've been selling as I've been making more profit. I probably made it 40% return on Bitcoin. I wasn't even keeping track of how much money I was really making on it. But again, it's a very easy store of cash. When Bitcoin goes down a far amount and you don't have anywhere else to put your money, it's a great time to buy some Bitcoin. It's a good store of value. I think it's going to be here for a long time. I don't know about the whole market takeover thing. I think, like, honestly, Bitcoin's never going to get to a place where it takes over cash. However, as a currency, as a store of value, and it it's, has usefulness for those big transactions online, I think it's a, safe to say Bitcoin's going to be here for a while. So it's a nice store of cash for me while I'm investing in stocks and need cash on the sidelines. And then understanding my investment outlets. Right now, market's way too volatile. 
I've already had a good percentage win. I want to lock in my returns. So I'm looking at other investments now that can give me great returns. One of the easiest investments I see out there, NBA cards, Pokemon cards. Well, I don't know about Pokemon so much because they've just been like spearheading growth so much. But I know in the NBA card market, every offseason, the cards go down in value. In every playoffs, the cards are at all-time highs. This offseason, easy cards to pick up. LeBron James, Giannis, super simple, no-brainer pickups. I think you just lock in a 20% return. You sell them in 5 or 10 years. You're looking at 10x your money. Like It's just such a simple return. Last year, I spent around $1,000 in NBA cards. They turned into 5K. This year, I'm spending around 10K more dollars. And I think in five years, it can be anywhere between 20 and 100K in value. Mm, 20 and 50K in value, maybe in five years. In 10 years, between 20 and 100K in value. I'll say that's very possible. And another place I'm looking for my investment options is the housing market. I am not a doom and gloomer on cities. I'm really not. In a different podcast, I'll expand on why not. However, I think with interest rates at all-time lows, it is now the time to get into housing. So I'm planning to get a house around March or April. um, And I really want to get into housing because I want to understand the options that I have once I get into a house. I think having a house or a condo or whatever you want to buy, there is insane borrowing options available. And as we go into a market where you're going to have cheap, cheap interest rates, it's super important to know your options when it comes to borrowing money. And that brings me into my strategy number three, and that is understanding leverage. You see, the interesting thing that I realized about the stock market is, yes, on average, it goes up 8%. But if you were just to buy a 3x leverage ETF that tracks the market, on average, you should literally expect 20% from buying that ETF. Like, like that's, that's how math works. You would expect 20% just from holding a 3x leverage ETF. And that's after fees. That's just understanding leverage. Now, we're in a state of the economy where for at least the next three years, Interest rates aren't going to go up. Now, that's insane. Not going to go up. Cash is cheap. If you're unable to understand investing and borrowing money and what to do with that money that you borrowed, you are going to make guap. When it comes to borrowing money, I've done the thing where I've borrowed money on my credit cards and it's cute. Borrowing 30 grand is cute. It's a lot of money, but it's a cute, a lot of money. When it comes to getting a mortgage, you can borrow like half a million dollars. And then once you have some equity in your house and the house rises in the markets, you can borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, my God. What could you do with $100,000? If I invested $100,000 of borrowed money into the economy this year, that would have been $50,000 in return that I've got in my portfolio. How insane is that? 
understanding leverage in this next 10 years is going to be the literal difference maker of whose portfolios dominate and whose don't. Now, the real thing to understand about leverage is there is one way to go bankrupt. It's not from buying Facebook shares. It's from buying Facebook shares at a margin. Leverage is the thing that when you go on Wall Street bets and you see all those people's portfolios going to zero, that's from leverage. And that's from not understanding leverage. There is a certain amount of leverage that you can take and keep your risk intact. And I think that strategy is what's really going to solidify that 20% return for me, is having that safe amount of leverage where I'm not risking my net worth on these investments and then locking in those returns. So one of those safe leverage areas is just buying a house for me. Now, of course, buying a house is not an investment in itself if you plan to do nothing but live in that house for the foreseeable future. But once I buy a house, if I plan to ace, live in the house, and then sell it and rent again, that's a nice 20% return I locked in if I sell that house after seven years. If I plan to buy that house and after two years rent and let other people live in it and then have them charge them rent and then pay me again, that's me locking in a nice return there. If I plan to buy a house and then you know use the equity in the house to buy another house, and have other people live in it. Again, that's ways for me to use and leverage that leverage I get and lock in that return. You know, that again, those again, buying a 3X ETF is a nice way to use leverage to track the market. And there's a lot of times when the market dips around 10 or 15%. And it's a great buying time for stocks. And even if the market dips another 10% and you lose like 30% on your ETF, you know the market's going to go up because you bought that ETF at a great price. That's the dream about understanding leverage. Now, again, there's complete risk in my strategy. I probably recommend this for literally like, if I had to guess, zero point out of every 1,000 people living listening to this podcast, there might be one person who's like an active day trader in a sense, who's been trading in their portfolio and experience with leverage. And those are the people that might have some little small tidbit of things to add in their portfolio. But for the average person, possibly the the biggest value add is just understanding when it comes to leverage that I guess houses are a great way to divest their portfolio from their stocks. For me, one of the main reasons I wanted to start divesting from stocks is personally, when you see your stock portfolio grow on paper, like each year it's done 20%, it's not necessarily real. It doesn't feel real. But when I withdrew some of my stock earnings and I bought like an NBA card because I knew NBA cards were most likely going to go up in the year and stocks could go down or up, there was a, the expected return is honestly like around zero to 10% with stocks because... I don't know if in the next year it's going to go down or up because of all this volatility where NBA cards, I expect to go up because of so-and-so factors. When I withdrew that five grand and I spent it on cards, oh, it felt real. And my stock portfolio, I just had so much volatility. There was literally a week where I gained like 8K in my portfolio just from how crazy the markets were moving. It was insanity. So I just wanted to start thinking about other assets. So that's why I divested. 
But again, this is the way that I plan on making 25% in my portfolio. And as always, the best, most brightest investors, they are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning. Let me know if you have any magical ways that you're expecting to make a huge return in your portfolio, or let me just know your strategies. How are you locking in that 7% return every year? Let me know. It's at Flystew on Twitter. You can leave a review five stars on iTunes. It really helps the podcast. And you can leave your comments on how you're planning to make moolah in your portfolio there and your investing strategy there. I'll read it, of course. And of course, we, Flight Crew, we have to take off. I'll see you in the next one, baby. We'll be right back.